Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Telfer, and on this occasion, I am joined by my close associate, Sean McGuigan. Hello. And you know what happens when the Jasmine Richardson and the Jeremy Stinker of the Terrace get together. Sean, do you know who they are? No, they sound like wrestlers. No, in 2006, Jasmine Richardson, who was 12 years old, conspired with her 23-year-old boyfriend, Jeremy Stinker, to murder her mother, father and brother. This happened in Alberta, Canada. Uh, the pair were convicted of three counts of first-degree murder, and Jasmine Richardson is thought to be the youngest person in Canada to have been convicted of first-degree murder. She was given a 10-year sentence, and that was completed in May the 6th, 2016. What, what is she up to these days? I, I don't know. I don't know. She, she's out and about, and she's in with a shout. So uh, She's presumably uh, also the youngest person to ever go out with a 23-year-old. Yeah, that, I mean, that's why I chose us. That's why I chose those names. I thought that the fact that they both killed three people was quite funny, but the fact that there was that age difference, I thought, hey, that's... that's Apparently, this guy Stinker, he told his friends he was a 300-year-old werewolf and he wore a vial of blood around his neck. He he sounds very goth. He sounds very goth. Imagine, imagine what, what on earth would you want to go to a 12-year-old for? Surely not a chat. <laughs> <laughs> Their ability to murder three people. By the sound of things, <laughs> yeah, I imagine. Uh, it's, I, it's, yeah, I imagine it's. Uh, I'm, I'm, it, sometimes there's, there's things that are too vast to imagine. And also, Sean, I was looking up. You know how uh, Jasmine Richardson was released on May the sixth, two thousand and sixteen. Uh-huh. I looked up online at other interesting things that happened on May the sixth, two thousand and sixteen. Reg Grundy, the creator of Neighbours, died age ninety two. Now, that could <laughs> he- that could just be a coincidence. I don't know. He brought so much joy to our lives. He, I mean, at least one of the two people brought joy to <laughs> joy to our lives. 
is, is that guy still uploading? Who was it that used to upload uh, oh. episodes of Neighbours? It was the guy who uploaded all the Bedil Syndrome episodes. <laughs> That's who it was. Hopefully he's still going. I might, uh, I might make a start to that. Listen, at least it's a soap opera. Like, you look at British soap operas like uh, EastEnders or Emmerdale. They can be quite dull. They can be quite grey. Uh, at least EastEnders, like, people seem to be happy. It's sunny. People generally seem uh, as if they're positive, which you don't get in British soaps. No, no, no. I, as someone who is a big fan of EastEnders, in fact, it's the only television show that I watch on a regular basis. Yeah, I can sometimes agree. It's, I remember one time, for a couple of years ago, they did an EastEnders Christmas special that was actually broadly positive, where everyone had a good time. It was terrible. I mean, everyone, everyone clubbed together and cooked a big meal. It was rubbish. No, no, I want to see, uh, I want to see, weirdly, Bobby Beale murder his sister. He was about 12 years old when he caved in Lucy's head. Maybe that's a, a, a thing of mine, child murderers. I hope not. I bet you. I bet you in a, an Australian soap, if you if you get married, you just have a positive day. If you have a, a wedding and a, a British soap, it all goes very very poorly. One of my favourite weddings in soaps, going back to EastEnders, was when Phil Mitchell married Stella Crawford, and she was abusing Ben, who's God, I've got a real thing about kids, and, and this I've got this real <laughs> negative theme on this. But she was like burning him with spoons and, and sort of oh. psychologically bullying him. And, and when Phil and Stella got married, she jumped off the roof of a disused factory. Crikey, that is a that's a bad wedding. Yeah, one for the scrapbook. That one. <laughs> Now, Sean and I this evening, we are not going to be talking about the Scotland game. Unfortunately, two members of the Terrace Job Squad have teamed up for that. I don't know who. I'm not particularly interested. It's not myself and Sean. But what Sean and I are going to be discussing are the Scottish Lower Leagues. It's another one of our patented grab bag episodes. Now, there wasn't a lot of action over the past seven days, but there was a third round of the SPFL Trust Trophy and a couple of interesting bits and pieces that happened off the park so I think between the two of us that'll be enough for an hour long podcast won't it and that's that's ultimately the main thing at the very least now some housekeeping from last week Sean a couple of people got in touch with me to say that Keir Starmer was unequivocal in his opinion that Geronimo the Alpaca should be destroyed <laughs> I went and checked there are a load of articles on this from reputable sources where Keir Starmer was unequivocal that the llama should have been put down by death. And this is a rare instance of decisiveness from the leader of the opposition. I uh, I, I've, I, mean, I've struggled with Keir Starmer for a while now, but this might be the final straw. <laughs> so, so the, I mean, the, like we say, the, the Geronimo the Alpaca did have tubercul- bovine tuberculosis. That's a very serious illness. Right, but could you not just, just put him in a field? away from other animals for a while until the TB goes away. It can't be that hard. Well, a couple of things there. One, does bovine tuberculosis go away? And two, can it be quarantined by doing that, by just putting this this alpaca in a field on its own? Is it airborne? Does it it get carried that way? I I think it's worth a try rather than a a bolt to the brain. I mean, I would say... Try it. A a bolt to the brain will certainly limit the spread of bovine tuberculosis, but I'm sure Geronimo had plenty of time. I mean, from his his handler, is it Helen MacDonald? And she was putting all the appeals in for him. I mean, she had plenty of time to work out whether or not it it could have been contained. I I just think there's something we could have done differently. I disagree with Keir on uh, on this occasion, and and most occasions probably. I'm surprised that he didn't run that one through a focus group, first of all, (laughs) gathered a bunch of Middle England biddies around the table and asked them whether or not Geronimo Alpaca should should be destroyed. He'll probably be interviewed. He'll probably be interviewed like in a month and, and say something completely opposite. Yes, that, that, that we were wrong, in fact, to murder Geronimo the alpaca. <laughs> Should 
be allowed to run hither and thither in the fields with the rest of his alpaca buddies. But that's, listen, that's Keir Starmer's labour for you. But Sean, I thought we, we've done our housekeeping, I meaning that was there's only one thing to mention from from last week's show. I saw a brief discussion in the Terrace Discord about Girona with the alpaca. But on, on top of this, before we go into talking about the lower leagues, it was a bit of a, a star-studded couple of days for us because we have been rubbing shoulders with some of the biggest names in the Scottish lower leagues. So, so who who have you met in the last uh, in the last few days? I am, I am intrigued about this. Okay, well, I mean, I if you go on my Instagram page, you'll see that I've become a bit of a wretched star fucker in the last couple of days. And it's, I mean, it's nice to meet cool people like like courtesy of the stuff we do in the podcast and a view from the terrace. But I think if you start boasting about it, it's particularly ungainly. But having been working at the Scotland game last night, I was fortunate enough to meet Joe Jordan. We did a Q&A with him at the, the event that I get to host, which was incredible. I mean, you are literally in the presence of a living legend and, and talking to him about his time playing for Scotland, the current state of the national team, and especially the, the goal that he scored against Czechoslovakia in 1973. That was the goal that took Scotland to the first World Cup finals in 16 years. That was incredible. At half time, I was introduced to Christian Daly, which was, again, I was like, it was a, a double whammy. It's not often you get to, to meet these people. And then at the end of the match, I met Gordon Smart. Now, Gordon Smart is a sort of well-known Scottish media personality who looks identical to me. Yes. I, when I was... When I was rounding up the event, he was standing about like six or seven feet away from me. And actually, that was like, my God, it was like, like lost my train of thought because I was looking directly at him. I thought I was, thought I was looking at myself. You know, it reminded me of, you know, the scene in Terminator 2 Judgment Day when the security guard in the mental hospital uh, is like, has got the cup and he turns around and the T-1000 standing behind him. Yeah, he seems, to have, he seems to have won something. He seems to have won something on his cup. Yes. I think he has uh, platoon. Then, that's right, and then, and then the T-1000, <laughs> basically the, the T-1000 puts a metallic needle through his head. See, listen, if we had the metallic needle kicking in when Jerome with the alpaca was involved, we'd... <laughs> there you go, there's an idea, by the way, there's an idea for the next Terminator movie. Say they develop a liquid metal Terminator to go and kill diseased animals, but it just things get out of hand. That might be an idea. Did, uh, did, you, did you speak to all three of these people? Well, obviously, Joe Jordan. Did you, yes. did you, make, did you uh, speak to Gordon Smart as well? Yes, I spoke to Gordon Smart briefly at the very end. And a lot of the stuff were kind of both scunnered a bit, given how the, the match had gone. But he seems, he seems, I think he's, like, if you kind of listen to any stuff he's involved in, he, I only spoke to him really, but he seems like a really cool guy, really positive guy. And I was great to finally get the chance to meet someone that looks identical to, to myself. <laughs> Yes, shorter hair. I think. I guess shorter yes, hair. Yes, yes, he does. He does. But if I was to to cut my hair, which I'm refusing to do on medical grounds, <laughs> then I think that he and I would begin to to look special. But I think from from pretty much from from our mouths, we've got the same mouths and the same dimples. They're very very uncanny. Uh, Christian Daly was a nice guy. I was talking to him about intermittent fasting. He is oh, right. now a sort of, of like a, a a sports scientist, almost very into his nutrition. Very very fit looking boy. Um, and it was very interesting listening to him talking about uh, his his approach to to health and wellness, and, and seemed like a, 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 a seemed like a really nice guy. How is Christian Daly's hair? Because that was a that was a style of hair that I really liked, kind of long, kind of curly locks. I always really really enjoyed looking it, at it. Not quite as prominent as it used to be. Ah, in the same way that Joel Sked's hair isn't quite as prominent <laughs> as it as it used to be, but there's still uh, there's still a hint of hair there. 
if you just look at him from the forehead down, the guy looks absolutely magnificent. You know, he does. You can just, you know, sometimes you just look at some people and you can imagine what they look, see what they imagine they look with no clothes on. But I just imagine him through the through his sweater that he was wearing. He just looked very, uh, very, very fit. And it was just like the same man. He was I, probably the most famous thing he ever did in a Scotland jersey was was called German's cheeks <laughs> and give a wanker sign to a German player that was caught on German TV in slow motion. But no, a very, very good player. Um, and his day very like very fit, and you can understand. People like him, just if you've built these great habits as like a, a teenager, just keeping them going into your adulthood and just wanting to be fit. And it was, we only spoke to him very briefly, but just this concept of not eating was certainly certainly very interesting. Going back to his hair, though, because this, this concerns me, it's not, a, it's not a Colin Henry situation where he essentially, his hairline started three quarters of the way uh, at the back of his head, but he refused no, to cut it off. Sure. I mean, he's cut it off now, but it took him a long time. No, no, Christian Daly is not Paul McGowan or Gervinho. Right, thank goodness, like that. that's a relief. Yeah, but that was like, it's like I, I, that was that was very, uh, very good to to meet meet with them. I mean, you were at the game, Sean, as well. I know you were rubbing shoulders with uh, some big names. Uh, uh, not in, not entirely rubbing shoulders. So basically, I so, so I I really dislike being late, right? So if I'm if I'm late and it's my fault, I, I find that very agitating. If I'm late and it's somebody else's fault, then that, that kind of makes me a wee bit crabbit. So I was at Hamden for for hospitality yesterday and I, I, I turned up broadly on time. I was a minute or two late. That, that kind of bothered me slightly. That was to do with Scotty Lowe, not my fault. Literally got to Hamden and my pal phoned who had been given the, the kind of freebie hospitality that, we'd, that, that he'd be given. I said, where are you? I goes, well, I'm at Hamden. He goes, oh, we're still in the city centre. I went, all right, okay. So basically he told me to, to, to go to your pub and they'd be, as, they'd be there as quickly as possible. 45 minutes later, still still no sign. And he told me to go in. Everybody was kind of arriving independently and his dad was already in hospitality. So he goes, just go in. We'll be there in 10 minutes or so. I goes, right, okay. So I gets to the, the kind of Sky Lounge or whatever it is and then the, the, the Pegasus Bar or the Pegasus Lounge, which is where we were. And it was mobbed because everybody had already been there 45 minutes. Yeah. A very, very busy room, a very large room, a very busy room. And I'm like kind of scouring the, the room to try and find his, his dad. I've not seen, I've not seen Chick for a, a long, long time. So again, getting a wee bit agitated. Well, where is he? Where is he? It's, it's a, a busy room. And just as I saw him, and kind of went to acknowledge him from a, a distance and kind of wave. This kind of like tall, slightly oddball type character, Englishman, then come up to me and said, hi there, how you doing? And kind of stuck out his hand. And because I was kind of in the process of waving at Chick, relieved at seeing him, I now have somebody kind of in my face, not, not aggressively, like very, very friendly, but slightly overly friendly. I kind of like shook his hand and went, oh, hi there, I'm good, thanks. Hope you're well. And then just moved on because like, well, he seems slightly weird. I'm going to move on and then just sit at the table. So I said, I'm like, hi there, chick. How you doing? No seeing you in ages. He goes, oh, hi, Sean. Good to see you. I think he didn't want to speak to Terry Butcher. How was that? <laughs> and, and for a split second, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've no met chick for a, a long time now. And he, he must be kind of late 70s, maybe, maybe 80. And I was like, oh, God, chick's senile. This is going to be... <laughs> This is going to be a very long <laughs> evening, and then I turned around and realised that, that I'd, I'd I'd basically dinged a kind of English uh, football icon, so I felt a bit guilty. However, Terry Butcher then told a, a slightly off-colour joke about the death of Maradona at one point, oh. which what can you can you recount the joke? Is it suitable for the airwaves? I, so basically, what he said was uh, they were so before the game, they were it was, it was uh, Butcher and, and Gordon Strachan, and they were 
kind of recounting stories beforehand and then kind of analysed the game after. But he was talking, I can't remember how he got on the topic of Maradona. I suppose Butcher's story is, is linked with Maradona in, in several ways. Anyway, regardless, he said that he remembers sitting in the house when word came through that Diego Maradona had passed away and he he was absolutely gutted. And then the punchline was, because I only had two bottles of champagne in the house, but it, wow. it did not go down well. That There was a couple of and, laughs, there was a lot of silence, and then a wee bit of booing. I was like, no, pick, pick your, like, know your audience. That would go down well yeah. at Stoke. It, it doesn't go down well at Hamden. Yeah, that might go down well at like the Bully XL conference in the, the West Midlands or something like that. But don't don't say that. I mean, Maradona, I'm sure he's held in, in well, obviously, because he was one of the best, in fact, if not the greatest player of all time, he was held in very high regard. Did he make his debut or against his Argentinian debut against Scotland or score his first goal for Argentina against Scotland? If it wasn't his debut at Hamden, it was certainly one of his first games for Argentina. At, yes, at Hamden, aye, it was... Aye, so so he's he's held in very high, high regard. Weirdly, when when Argentina were training, they were were they training at Celtic Park. I'm sure some of the Argentina were training at Celtic. Yes, that's right. This is the story because remember Argentina came back for a friendly. Mm-hmm. They were training at Celtic Park, and Ar- and Diego Maradona lost. He I think he keeps his like World Cup winners medal. He kept it as a necklace. He lost it at Celtic Park. All the young Celtic trainees had to go out and find it, and the boy that found it is Adam Brown, who's now playing for Stennis Muir. So there's there a, you go. I'm, I'm glad we got steady yeah. in somehow. I'm just about to say because we've steady have done fuck all this week because they haven't kicked a ball, but they always have to try and get that in some way. But Sean, I mean, we're talking about like England captain, we're talking about Joe Jordan, we're talking about Christian Daly, we're talking about Gordon Smart. I can trump them all because on Monday, when I was going to play five aside football, left my flat, turned to go on to, to Duke Street down to, to Glasgow Green. And who did I see at the edge of my street? Queen's Park legend, Tony Quinn, getting his van towed away by the AA. <laughs> did, did you speak to him? What was wrong no, with the van? I didn't because I, I, I don't know. I don't know. There was a sort of concerned looking AA guy sort of like like looking in it. And Tony Quinn, he saw, he saw me. So I just kind of said like, all right, Tim, because I'm, I, I, know, I know of him. I've, not, I've, I've, never, I've never met him, but I know of him. And the, the most annoying thing was I was wearing a, a Lazio strip to five. It's this old strip from, I think it's like from oh. 2001. But I, I, I've got a Queen's Park tops, and I actually really wish I had worn a Queen's Park top because that's I could have tapped at the badge and pointed at him or done some sort of um, conspiratorial gesture, like, I know who you are, you know, but you used to play for the Spiders, all that sort of stuff. So I just said, all right, Tim, and then just left him to it. So, I mean, I, I returned to that street uh, yesterday that the van's no longer there so I assume that he made it home okay but nevertheless it was quite cool to to see uh, a genuine lower league superstar just well in some sort of minor peril it's uh, it's, it's a shame that you didn't wear that Queen's Park shirt because presumably now just thinks because you wore that Lazio ship that you're some kind of right wing zealot why don't let don't let the, the actions of a couple of fans tarnish uh, a great and proud club that's what I would say I feel like I want to justify uh, following. Like, does he follow? No, I don't. It's like I went him. That's the first team I ever went when I played Championship Manager. That's why I like Lazio. See when, see when you acknowledged them and kind of uh, like was your facial expression one that that suggested you were sad for his van? Like did you did you manage to convey that? It's the sort of expression you would use if you're in the if you're in the corridor in your office and you're walking past someone from a team who you see quite often but don't know their name. You kind of do a pursed lip uh-huh. sort of thing. Like I'm going, you can see like, 
like, like that. You, it makes terrible audio because you can't see it. Purse lips, sort of nod. You're not smiling, you're not unhappy. It's a recognition. You're a bloke, I'm a bloke. I hope you're doing well. Hope your van's okay, eventually. Hope your, va- hope your, hope your van's okay. And, and you know, I really enjoyed watching the team that Billy Stark manager got promoted in 2006-2007 that, that Tony Quinn was obviously a big part of. I think he played pretty much everywhere for Queen's Park. Played at centre, but I think latterly played at centre back. But I think when he was in his younger days, he played as a striker. What a week you've had! And it's only we're only about halfway through it. We're only on, we're only on Wednesday. We've seen that meme of is it Captain Haddock from Tintin going what a week, and Tintin mm. goes Captain, it's Wednesday. That's that's how but, I. But feel. that seems to be like a negative meme. But it, it feels that you've broadly had a, a a very positive few days. The week's flown by. I'm looking forward to finish up doing this podcast and I can get back in and do some much needed washing. <laughs> the fun never stops. The fun never stops, and also I have got the, the, the item of clothing I'm going to wear on the first episode back of a view from the terrace. It's an absolute cracker. I won't say what it is. Mm-hmm. You'll just have to you'll just have to wait and see. You and the the rest of the viewers, all three of them, will just have to wait and <laughs> I see can't wait. what I've got. In store. I can't oh, wait. neither can I. Neither can I until I get told I can't wear it because it's, it's strobing or something. I'll be livid. Honestly, if that happens, I'll be I'll be livid. What was the what was the top you could wear and had to wear one of Fowler's? What what was the issue oh, with your top? Man. It was uh it was a top it had a dog in a bin on the front of it. It was a <laughs> it was a palace collaboration with a photographer called Jurgen Teller. It was a black and white sort of printed t-shirt with this image of the dog on top of it. The big palace Jurgen Teller triferg on the, the back and they were just ready to go. I think we'd all set that the lighting had been done, our makeup being done, and then we'd been told that you you can't wear it because it could be it could be construed as cruelty to animals. I was fucking livid. I was furious. If only it had been an XL bully that was being placed in the bin. <laughs> everybody in, it would have been record viewing figures. Everybody in uh, everybody uh, in Britain standing up to applaud. I So I had to borrow one of Fowler's tops. And to be fair to Fowler, he was very magnanimous. He gave me a loan of one of his tops. It was a, a wire. It was Cutty's gym mm-hmm. from the wire, a yeah. sort of pale blue top. Uh, but every every time I would share photographs of, of, of the, what I'm wearing on a view for there's the only week that I didn't post any <laughs> photographs. But like, like, what was what was your rationale there? Because like, people were going to see it, so you would have been as well yeah. posting pictures. Yeah, I, but I don't want it on my Instagram page where where people might look at that and think, "Wow, he's he's wearing a cut his gym top." It's just you know something. It's a, it's a funny thing, though, isn't it? Because we've all got our own individual styles, and I suppose that when you want to compromise that, then you're quite not as comfortable in, in what you're wearing. I think if you if you feel good and confident, then that's portrayed on screen. And I did not feel confident wearing uh, a Cutty's Gym t-shirt. I'm sure Ray Bradshaw was in an episode with that, and he tried to make a joke when we were off stage, off, off screen, to sort of diffuse attention. I was furious. <laughs> but looking back, it was very funny. Like, I can see why he did it, and I would have done the same had it been the other way around. But he made a joke, and it was just like, I was... I was. But then you kind of just just, uh, just, get, just get over it. And that's all you have to do. And I, I got over it eventually. Well, I'm, I'm glad you've moved on. When you say eventually, it was probably like, perhaps months later? Uh, no, it was like minutes later. Oh, right. You just came to realise. Uh, you just came to realise. Listen, be a big boy. Be a big boy. Wear your Cutty's gym t-shirt and shut up. And <laughs> I'm just spouting a ton of juice. <laughs> Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sean, I can't believe we're, we're really 20, uh-huh. 23 yeah. minutes into this podcast. We haven't even started talking about the, it, it, talking about the football it, it's yet. It's clearly an SPFL Trust Trophy weekend. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, it is an SPFL Trust Trophy weekend. Uh, I think were there any results that, that, that stuck out for you? Just We were going to talk about one team specifically who had a good weekend, but there any results that stuck out for you? Um, I, I suppose, again, the kind of non-Scottish teams just consistently do not do very well in this tournament anymore. I know they used to. Uh, was it TNS that got to a final against Ross County? Connors Key. Connors Key. Connors Key. The, the final a few years back. But it just feels like they, other than, I, I kind of, like, I always want Wraith Rovers to get a, an away trip to, whether it's Wales or Ireland or whatever. But it, it just feels like they, they are not bringing much to the to the party anymore. I do wonder if either they'll stop being invited or just stop uh, accepting the invitation to, to, to take part. I don't know whether it's just that they are below the standard of the championship, which I'm not entirely sure about, or if they just if they aren't particularly interested. So I do wonder if that will change in the next kind of uh, season or two. I mean, you got a pretty promising result against Cliftonville. What do you make of them? The the first half was played out like a, a kind of pre-season friendly. The the second half, Wraith were picked it up a bit and were, were clear and deserved winners. And, and three 0 was probably about right. They, they looked they looked far superior. Whether they whether they are on a, on a kind of general level, I'm not sure. But certainly on the day they were. Yeah, I enjoy the. I, I'm not a fan of the the B teams at all, and that's a massive turn off. We played Rangers B and one of the early rounds lost that match too. I've had no interest. It's one of those you know the game could have been going on in your back garden, and you probably like glance out the window but not really taking interest but the overseas sides from, from Wales Northern Ireland Republic of Ireland etc I, I, I find them them really interesting one of the actually talking to my friends about this in one of the last great Stennis Muir games but would have been Waterford which I'm, I'm sure is a game that I've mentioned that Friday night game. Where, I've watched that Friday night Friday game BBC Alba Mark McGuigan scored a 90 odd minute uh, winner so it was, a, it, just, it was a great laugh a great laugh and then Davy Iron's time in charge went to shit but that match, that match was quite good. The, the 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 one that caught my eye was it was SC Edinburgh one East Kilbride four. Now don't want to go too hard in an Edinburgh because I think the team was made exclusively of under twenties players. I think between them there must have only been about five or six like senior appearances between them. So you don't want to go too hard on them. And plus East Kilbride are doing well in the Lowland League. There's a couple of good players that they've. That they, they, they've got at the, at the club there, guys who could probably hold their own in, in the SPFL. But just for, for Edinburgh, you know, it, obviously they've got bigger fish to fry and staying in League One's the priority. However, do you have thought that that's a winnable contest there and you you could have gone into it and maybe given you a bit of momentum to the season rather than just killing it stone dead? I know that the players 
who featured in that match are unlikely to feature much over the course of the season. But nevertheless, it seemed like a, a bit of a missed opportunity. And if you were an Edinburgh fan that turned up for that, you'd have been pretty scunnered by it. I, I don't really understand the the, the thinking behind it. So I, I, I saw before the game, somebody mentioned that there was 10, so it was 10 debutants for, for Edinburgh. Like, bear in mind, so yes, you're right, they've, they've got bigger fish to fry, but... It's not like it's not like a team that's going to go deep into the the Scottish Cup and the League Cup and potentially the Challenge Cup. Like they 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 might play one or two games in the Scottish Cup and that might be it. And will these kind of ten young guys that or eleven young guys, I suppose that that played that game, are they going to learn too much from being scudded by East Kilbride? I'm not entirely sure. And 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 oddly from a from an East Kilbride perspective, like I I got the impression that they were quite excited about the draw, like. As in, it was a decent opportunity, but would probably be a a decent game and might give them a rough idea about where they are in the grand scheme of things. And actually, it might have been slightly, yes, pleased about the win, but kind of anticlimactic because you've essentially beaten Edinburgh's reserves. Am I right in saying that they're the only side in the SPFL to have lost every single game they've featured in this season? I think that might be right. Uh, to be fair, I've not checked, but yes, even, you might be right. Even teams like Clyde and Elgin are picking up points. Cali Thistle had a terrible start to the season, but they're they've they've picked up points. But but Edinburgh just has just been absolutely dreadful. Turns out as well, I was reading on Pie and Bovril, Ozzy C's name has been removed uh-huh. from the club website and the club program. That might be the end of him. It, it, I noticed he had a he had an Instagram post that said, uh, "I'm now back to doing what I actually love," and then he tagged in a, a modelling agency. So whether that's now what he just does full time, and, and fair play if that's if that's what he loves, and, and that gives him that gives him some kind of joy, then fair enough. Probably just being gorgeous. That must that must, must be class. I'd uh, I'd love to know what what that's like. <laughs> Ditto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the scene in Batman where the the Joker gets the surgery done on his face and he gets handed the mirror and smashes it. That's that's me. I, I mean, I, I don't think that's quite the case. To be fair. No, <laughs> if there's any girls listening to this, by the way. Nah, we 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 know that's not the case. So it's all, it's all tubby guys who are about the age of between thirty three and thirty six. I say beards, paunches, and young children. That's the sort of demographic I'm going to imagine who are listening to this. You can just picture them just now, can't you? Not sure about the young children. Nah, nah, they've got they've 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 they've, they've found themselves with a kid. That's how I imagine most of the the viewers. And sometimes they won't allow them to be photographed. They can show the back of their heads, but they won't allow their faces to be photographed when they share pictures on Twitter. <laughs> but Sean, the one team, the one team that I did think it'd be prudent to to explore a bit further is uh, Dundee United because they recorded an impressive three 0 win over Dunfermline Athletic. In the third round, I was I was looking at the teams to see how serious both sides were, were were taking this, and I think both sides were broadly similar to the sides that that participated in the match last month that finished one one. Um, I think that, that Dunfermline maybe I've got I'm I'm going to assume Dunfermline had a small bench, so I'm going to assume that that some players were missing due to injury. But nevertheless, this is Dundee United really have put seem to have put that, that dreadful start to the season behind them. Of course, they lost their first two League Cup matches to the Spartans and to Partick Thistle, and now they are they they really seem to be fine. They've won six of their last seven matches, and the only one they didn't win was that one one draw with. Um, with Dunfermline, so I think they seem to be moving in a positive direction under Jim Goodwin. No, totally. I I was surprised at how strong the team was that, that kind of Dundee United put out. Dunfermline 
whether they would have put out a, a strong team, I'm not entirely sure. However, they are stricken by injuries at this moment in time. So that that might have been the strongest team that they could have put out on, on Saturday. However, uh, the, the fact that Dungeon United put the game to bed after whatever it was, kind of 38 minutes, I think they were, they were 3-0 up. And they probably relaxed a bit in the in the second half. But when you think about how we spoke about United in the, the, the preview pod, it was very much, mm-hmm. okay, they, they probably have just about the, the strongest team in the championship. You would still expect them to win it. We weren't entirely sure about Jim Goodwin. We, we wondered if they might kind of stagger to January and, and maybe whether Goodwin is, was there or not. Not sure. Might have to bring in additional players in the, in, the, in the kind of winter transfer window. However, the fact that they've brought in Declan Gallagher has improved their backline significantly. We spoke about Tony Watt leading the line and didn't necessarily fancy him for this season, even though it's it's down the league. However, they've now brought in, uh, obviously brought in Lou Malt. I, I, I do think that maybe a more over and above the, those two signings. Maybe something that's quite interesting is the fact that like Declan Glass, like there's players within Dungeon United who appear to now be having a reasonably successful season where we weren't entirely sure about them. I mean, Glass, bear in mind, it's a two, it's a several loan spells. First one at Cove Rangers when they were in League Two, I thought he was excellent. He, had, he scored so many goals, he had so many assists. He's had a couple of loan spells higher up the food chain and, and not done very much, but he like appears to be thriving this season. So there's... I think I think there's several reasons to be uh, enthusiastic if you're a Dungeon United fan at this moment. It's not just signers. Like, it feels like there's other things going on, I suppose. I think you're absolutely correct there. One of the players going by the Dunfermline highlights, which were really, really good, by the way, shout out to the, the team that pulled that together. But I thought Kai Fotheringham had an especially yep. good performance out in that right wing. I think he set up I think so three goals, well. actually. Yeah, and and to although he he will claim the assist for Declan Glass's goal, that was all really Declan Glass's work because the way he picks up the ball in the edge of the area and, and just sort of like drops his shoulder twice to go past two defenders, completely leaves him on the backside and and absolutely thumps it into the net. It's good to see him beginning to thrive for for Dundee United. I, I said it on the preview podcast, a player who I really really like and who I thought when I seen it, Cove Rangers could really kick on and become a top end like a premiership midfielder hasn't happened because of his injuries however it looks like if he can stay injury free he can really make a contribution to Dundee United season I think that they have they've signed well in the regard I think it's a, perhaps a bit short term similar to what Kilmarnock did when they were in the championship where you sign guys who are, are good at that level but when it comes to next season you might need to think about moving on thinking guys like Ross Doherty Kevin Holt Liam Grimshaw all good players who will succeed at Dundee United but perhaps might struggle one level up and then as you say you chuck in the, the signer Declan Gallagher who automatically probably becomes the best defender and best centre-back in, in that division and it was just looked like a really really competent comfortable performance against Dunfermline Athletic I think that the second half seemed a bit of a non-event although you can put that to, to Dundee United really holding them at arm's length the fact that it's a a sort of second tier competition that no one's really interested in, in winning until you progress further into it. But I would say promising signs so far at, at, at Dundee United. And, and like I say, they have put that bad start to the season behind them. I, I totally agree about the, the, the Kilmarnock comparison. I, I think they've signed sensibly, but again, I think... Sensibly is a good word. Yeah, I, I, again, I think we mentioned this in the, the, the preview podcast and it, it feels like they've they've, they've signed players who will give them a, a fantastic chance of getting out of this division. 
I did disagree with comments. See, the, the first league game of the season, where they kind of overran Ambrose, 4-0 going on, my goodness, kind of 6-7. And there was a, a couple of kind of knee-jerk t- tweets about Dungeon United now have a team, a kind of top six team. Uh, no. I, I mean, no, that that's very much not the case. Uh, they, they, they absolutely don't. Even if you were to go through some of the better players, I don't know if they would necessarily be getting a game for, for top six teams in the, in the Scottish Premiership. So I do think there might need to be, a, a, an, again, another a turnover of squad potentially. However, you've seen in terms of what Kamarnock done last season, they still had enough about them. Even though they'd maybe given multi-year deals or two-year deals to players, they still had enough to to stay up in the in, in the in the Premiership. It feels like they've kicked on a bit. So yes, I think there's there's no reason that Dungeon United couldn't do that. So there's definitely a, encouraging signs. And if you look at the rest of that 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 Championship, yeah, I, think I, that's I just important don't see to, I just don't see anybody well. else getting close to them. I Rovers might do okay. Partick Thistle will have a decent yeah, season. Yeah, 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 yeah. Queens Park might be fine again. Did I see any of them? Finishing above Dunn United, absolutely not. Nah, I think it's. I, I was thinking of other clubs that had gone down. Say, like Hearts, for instance, when they were relegated, you go down, you enjoy yourself. I mean, particularly the foundation of Hearts season, not not so much the the season last time they were down because there was a COVID season, and no one could no one could do anything. But certainly fourteen fifteen, that is perhaps one of the the greatest seasons in modern Scottish football history and, and, and Hearts winning that division really really capped off the fans really seemed to enjoy it, it reinvigorated the club and I know that it's not quite the same scenario between Hearts and 14-15 and this is Dundee United now, there's still problems with the ownership and all that, if I'm sure Mark Ogren's looking to looking to move on, I think there's a degree of scepticism still towards his motivations and, and what he's, he's done at the club however, go down win it Come straight back up and then try to try to yeah. build from there because I really don't think that the team can afford more than anything else. I don't think it can afford consecutive seasons outside the Premiership. Yeah, agreed. And you've like you mentioned the uh, again, so again feels like similarities. You're never going. You're never going to suggest relegation to reinvigorate a club. However, I, I think Kamanic had like really good season ticket sales this time around. Right. It, like it just and it's. Like there's something just allows a club to kind of kick on. Uh, Fernland done it again. So in terms of going down to League One and then bouncing back into the the championship, it feels like it's I don't know that that kind of winning every week. It just builds momentum and you can carry it forward. And it's it, it feels like the start of something. I suppose Kelly's done it. Dunfermline might do it, and I think Dungeon United might do it again this season. I saw. I thought you were talking about Kilmarnock's time in the championship, which was pretty dull. Actually, I think they won that division so almost by default, and similar to how that, that obviously that allowed our both to finish in second place. The fact that they were a lot of teams that were just capable. Of but there's still that momentum. Another. But the, the, yeah, it's still, it still creates a momentum that, that carries you forward into the next season. Oh, definitely, and I think that Kilmarnock are certainly reaping the benefits of that now because, well, not really for us to say because we're lower league experts. We're not allowed to play with the big boys. We're not allowed <laughs> to talk about the Scotland national team. But Kilmarnock certainly look like in a place for like even a top a top six finish at the moment isn't certainly out of the question. What one thought I would like to say, but it looks like it's a good laugh for Dundee United on the pitch, but it's also a good laugh for Dundee United off the pitch because they were able to body James McPake done fellow manager quite hard in the programme notes. That that was very, very funny. So obviously James McPake had the he held the, the kind of one all. It yeah, kind of two is... fingers at the in the league game when Dunf, uh, which is odd because Dungeon United had equalised in about the ninety third or ninety fourth. Very minute. late on. Kujo scored very late on. So you think that why on earth would you want to draw to the fact that your team had just chucked away 
two points. But they, they, they certainly went in hard on them, on the, the programme notes, talked about them uh, going through a difficult spell, uh, mentioned the fact that they were now sitting in a lowly seventh position in the, in the championship. Listen, it was very funny. It, it, it was petty. It may have come back to bite them. I, I didn't expect it to because I, I, I saw the I saw the programme notes before the game. Didn't expect it to come back and bite them. Uh, but as petty as it was, I, I, I thought it was funny. I, I didn't, and I'm not just saying this because it was Dunfermline. I, I didn't see too much wrong with it. No, I mean, if if, if Jamie Pake's bold enough to walk off the park like grinning, waving his his fingers in the air after a one-one draw right at the start of the season, then you you deserve to. <laughs> You're going to be made fun of. Of course, McPake was quite a popular player at Ed Dundee from his time, so obviously there's a bit of a bit that, of that may there. have had something to do with it. I, I do think so. Yes. No, that's that's fair enough. Now, up next, we are going to be talking about Air United, who hosted a Q and A on their YouTube channel. It was posted on Sunday evening last week. They had on their website they'd asked fans to submit questions for their managing director Graham Mathy the fans had 24 hours to get in touch the questions were sifted through and then in a 35 minute interview this is part one of I don't know maybe two or three parts uh, Mathy answered a number of questions and addressed a number of concerns from supporters Sean I haven't been able to watch the whole thing I was only able to watch half about it because well, basically I thought the Q&A was still to happen <laughs> And so I thought, oh, that's good. We can maybe talk about the merits of, of hosting a Q&A in this way. But no, no, that, that actually did happen. Another part is going to drop soon. It might have dropped just now. But there, there were some certainly interesting points that Graham Mathy addressed in this. I, I thought it was quite interesting. Like It's not something you see that often. I, I'll be honest, I was, I was going to say, like, fearful. No, I, I, was, I was kind of hopeful it was going to be an absolute disaster. And it was good. I, I mean, I, I appreciate because I'm not an Air fan, like maybe an Air fan would watch it and if you are scathing about how the club's doing at this moment in time, whether that, that those 35 minutes would have changed your opinion or not, mm, I'm, I'm not so sure. But in terms of just listening to how the club has been operated behind the scenes, I mm. I thought it was, it was pretty interesting. It was split up into to three sections. So it was uh, recruitment. So you're right, so they said it was 300 questions. There was recruitment. They said they received 135 questions about recruitment. Then they spoke about essentially Lee Bullen in terms of the, the, the backroom squad and the style of play. And then infrastructure. And it probably got slightly, slightly less interesting as it went on, but there were still interesting aspects of, of all of them. Yeah, they got asked 135 questions about recruitment, which the interviewer decided to ask all, <laughs> all at of once, them. right at the very start. <laughs> it's... They, that was that was extraordinary. They must have asked like like literally about nine or ten questions, and and fair play to Graham Matthew because he's able to to sort of go through them all one by one and address the concerns. But I thought, wow, that's you're you're really asking quite a quite a lot of them there. I did find it quite interesting. One of the criticisms was that they don't sign enough players with championship experience. However, he said they were all the domestic players who signed for Dundee United and Wraith Rovers. They were all interested in them. So you're talking guys like presumably Kevin Holt, Ross Doherty, um, Callum Smith, Ewan Murray, all guys like that who have gone on and have, have galvanised the, these teams and been big parts of the, the positive start to the season. You imagine the guys that they've signed, they would have done similar at Air United. And it's, I think it's a, a difficult, must be a difficult thing trying to trying to sign these players in such a crowded, crowded setup like that. You're right. And that was, so I wrote that down in terms of a, a kind of interesting point. The way it was structured, the fact that it was because every all three sections were exactly the same. They they kind of ran through 
nine, ten questions and then allowed Graham to, to, to discuss it in, in, in detail. The fact that it wasn't a back and forth meant there was, and I don't mean a challenge, but maybe just like a follow-up point. Mm-hmm. So they, so Graham Arthur said, well, basically everybody at Dungeon United signed Andre Throvers. We either uh, made an offer or or had a conversation a, a, around. But then I suppose like the next conversation would be, or then perhaps a follow-up question would be, well, why have we lost out? Is it in terms of, is it just that they're paying more money? Is it the, yeah. is it the, the length of deal? Is it like, what was it that, because interestingly, one of the first points he made was that when he arrived at the club, he didn't feel that Air United were the even the second or third choice in terms of a championship club that people wanted to sign for. But then he went on and he said, but that's different now. That, that's very much not the case. But then I suppose that was contradicted by saying, well, everybody that signed for Dun United and Wraith Rovers, we tried to sign and they weren't interested. So there was, I suppose that was that was quite interesting. But again, the, the structure of the interview didn't lead to maybe follow-up questions. But I, I, I still thought it was reasonably interesting. Yeah, I, I that's I I got as far as I did find interesting. I'm going to say keep repeating myself interesting, and I think you're right. If I had known more about the mechanics of United, if I watched them on a weekly basis, there might be things that would said that hey, that's not the case. Or uh-huh. you want to chat, you want to challenge him on, on certain things. But as an outsider watching it, understanding how how the clubs run, I I was only able to catch about 17 minutes of this, and the point I had to stop watching actually to jump on and record this for yourself, was the questions about Lee Bullen and the, the coaching setup. I, I'd stop. I, 38 questions came in about Lee Bullen. Um, one question was, he doesn't have an assistant manager. Uh, why does he not have an assistant manager? I find that absurd. I, you, you don't often see that. So he, he basically suggested that they did, but wasn't somebody who essentially has the title of assistant manager. They said uh, David White is, for all intents and purposes, the, okay. the assistant manager, which is, which is fair enough. The, you're right. In terms of how the interview progressed, you, you didn't miss anything, I suppose, uh, hugely illuminating. I, I, I do think, though, that because he was kind of given a broad spectrum in terms of how he answered questions, and I don't yeah. think at points he he answered the question that he wanted to answer rather than necessarily answering the question that he had been specifically asked. Mm. There, there was a, a, a point about style of play, and he didn't really necessarily answer that specifically. And, let, and let's face it, United fans, even last season, weren't necessarily enthusiastic about how they played football. I think, and we've mentioned this all the time on this podcast. If you if you're winning games, you'll get away with playing a, a kind of reasonably dull style of football. When you're losing games, then you're not going to get away with it, and that's essentially what's happening uh, at, at, at this point. He, he did go at length to say that he feels that at points, uh, football managers can be kind of jettisoned too early. So mm-hmm. I, I still feel that Lee Bullen has a, a lot of credit in the bank, which I'm not surprised by. But if I was an Air United fan that has grown weary of Lee Bullen, then I, I probably wouldn't have been enthused by that part of the interview, I suppose. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What do you think about this format, though, overall for fans' forums? Because I'm thinking of some of my own experiences at fans' forums where... 
there are people there who ask like really uninteresting questions. They'll ask like, why do we keep 11 men back at corners? No, but that's, I, th- I find that really boring stuff. I like to know about like recruitment and and pass and, and why things didn't work out or why things did work out. So like like men behind the corners, that to me isn't interesting. So by having them moderated in advance, that allows that allows better discussion. No, I quite like that. I, I thought it felt reasonably unique. Maybe other clubs have done it, and and maybe I've not quite picked up on it. But maybe they could have sifted through the questions a wee bit more. Uh, maybe they could have structured it slightly differently, but I was, I, I, I was quite impressed by it. The, the, the last section was about infrastructure, which is probably the least exciting, as you would imagine, the least exciting part of the, the interview. The point where that section, but again, you maybe could have pushed back, was, and he, he, he didn't say it, and, and we kind of did say it in so many words, but there was a, a he mentioned season ticket sales, mm. and I, he was basically saying, well. To a degree, we're detected by how many how many season tickets we, we sell, and that's that's the same for any club. But the thing about how what United achieved last season, and maybe it was just like a kind of deflation about the the playoffs. They finished second last season, and you would think that as a as a club that finished second, that gives them a really good basis to really push season ticket sales uh, this time around. I kind of feel that hasn't happened. And again, if you compare it to Again, sorry for comparing it to Wraith Rovers. We've, like, we finished seventh last season. Other mm. than the Cups, it was a very, very mediocre season that was utterly forgettable. However, they've got reason, record season ticket sales. And it's just about how they've went about it. And there's no reason that United couldn't have done something similar. So maybe, again, maybe that's a different topic. It's marketing. But it kind of feels like United haven't done much to punt season tickets. Certainly that I've noticed. Could be wrong, but... Uh, and overall, a, a pretty interesting way to to go about communication, and, and probably needs to be kind of kind of lauded, I suppose. Yeah, I think so. I think so. It's quite a bold thing to do to have a supporters Q and A, particularly when the team aren't doing well at the moment. Mm-hmm. We've only got one win in their four league matches, and they're not playing particularly well. Their last match, they lost two one to our Broth, so no one wants to lose to smelly old our Broth. But it's bold to do it at the time because it's quite easy to have these Q&As or they could they could have just delayed it and said, let's wait till further in the season. If Lee Bullen moves on, if we got to move Lee Bullen, let's do it after that because there's a better feeling about the club whereas Air United, there is a degree of disdain and apathy, certainly from having a quick scan at the boards in Pie and Bovril. I think if, if Bullen was to leave the club tomorrow, then I don't think there'd be that many people that would would be upset about it. But you mentioned season tickets there, Sean. They have signed Anton Dowds on loan for the rest of the season on Partick Thistle. If you were a sort of Lapsdale United fan, would you buy a season ticket to go watch Anton Dowds? Uh, No. However, I've I've, I've looked at his stats. He has a a, a good scoring record compared to his uh, starts. So he might be okay. And bear in mind, he did did very well for our growth at this level. So I I wouldn't totally write him off. But it has been fairly hump day for about 18 months. He kind of gives the impression that he's still a bit unrefined, a bit unpolished, still a bit raw. And you think you're kind of getting into your mid-20s mm-hmm. now. You have spent a bit of time in full-time football. Are these ever going to be smoothed out? Or is this is this just Anton Dowds there? Someone who occasionally very, very good, but often inconsistent and frustrating. Some, somebody mentioned on Pine Bovell that he looks like a rugby player that is attempting to play football. And I think there's a bit mm. of that. Like He is, he is an athlete. He's clearly like a, a kind of decent, strong boy. I put it this way: I as as a as a championship rival, I wasn't 
I wasn't distraught to see United bringing Anton Dow to the club. However, he might be he might be perfectly acceptable. Were you surprised that Cove Rangers didn't go in and try and sign Anton Dowds? I was. <laughs> they're uh, they're not doing very well at this moment in time. Oh man, they've lost a third consecutive match at the weekend. They were bombed out of the SPFL Trust Trophy, going down two 0 to Montrose. Now that in itself, that's quite interesting. But the dirt sheets are reporting that Paul Hartley is looking to offload three players just weeks after bringing them to the club, and. <laughs> We have spoken about Cove Rangers in the past. I think it's worth speaking about them again because what on earth is going on up at Balmoral Park? We we often speak about clubs about how there are only maybe three or four bad boardroom decisions in a row from being in, in big, big trouble. And it feels, like, it feels like that's exactly where Cove Rangers are. I Listen, they, they might have kept Jim McIntyre last season and they, they still might have got relegated. But I'd, like what they were sitting maybe six at the time. Yes, it just been hammered. Don't think by... quite as high up. Don't think quite up as high as that. But they I think there was about ten points between themselves and the bottom at that point. They were they were faring okay. They were faring probably as well as you would expect for a a team that certainly hadn't splashed out like you know, that summer. Like they, they were doing what you would expect, maybe even slightly overperforming to, to kind of dispense with the services again. You don't know what was going on behind the scenes, but to dispense with them. When Paul Hartley became available, uh, was, was quite interesting. McIntyre getting rid of him felt wrong. Bringing in Paul Hartley didn't necessarily feel right. To to allow him to uh, kind of have carte blanche in terms of uh, in terms of signings, I'm not entirely sure that was correct. And, and quite a big one that that I couldn't quite get my head around. I know it worked for Air a, a few seasons back. But to go full-time when you go into League One, mm-hmm. presumably your, your outgoings increase significantly. But like Cove don't have a big home support and they're away. The away fans that are coming in every fortnight would dwindle significantly by the time uh-huh. you get to League One. I, I, I just thought it was a, a strange decision. Yeah, especially as well, you think of like Annan Athletic and FC, sorry, Edinburgh City, who have got like, like FC Edinburgh don't have, sorry, Edinburgh City don't have that many fans in the first instance. Whereas Annan Athletic, just geographically, it's a big ask to, to get him to, to move. I think that Paul Hartley will take a lot of the criticism. In fact, you know what we should do? We should actually talk about the three players, first of all, that are rumoured to, to be moving on. First is Deshaun Golding. He was signed in a one-year deal in January. He's a striker, plays with a man bun, and I believe that he was on trial at Lakes yes. Queen of the South in our yep. growth. They passed over him. He pitches up in Aberdeenshire, and, and Paul Hartley takes a liking to him. The second is Rio Davidson Phipps. He was signed five weeks ago, another one-year contract. A fullback who made just one appearance for the club. That was in the 2-2 draw with Falkirk. Mm-hmm. Very difficult opposition. We've spoken at length about how good Falkirk are in the wide areas. So I think he struggled a bit in that match. And then the other one's Jacob Jones, who's a 21-year-old Welsh fullback, signed in a two-year deal from Kings Lynn. He's made six appearances. And you wonder, like, these guys, I mean, they're under contract, so they will be entitled to some kind of payoff. And that's fair enough. If you if you sign an agreement, then you, you're entitled to what's owed to you. So, that's that's good, but what kind of message does it really send out to potential signings that you could go to one of the more remote parts of Scotland looking to, to play full-time football and then a capricious manager can just turn around and five and say, nah, I don't want you, can you can you leave the club, please? I've, I'm struggling to remember a time where th- this has happened before in terms of 
Signing players on mass, and I suppose if, if you're going to sign over twenty players, then maybe you'll make you'll make a few mistakes along the way. But to have signed them so recently, and then to to want them out of the club, or or to, to suggest that they're free to leave to, to leave the club after, as you say, like five weeks in, in one instance, that's very very unusual. And and to be fair, maybe maybe it's the player that's moving. Maybe it's the player that, that's going to push for that move. Maybe they are, are homesick or whatever. I suppose we don't really know. However, it, it doesn't say much for Hartley's recruitment policy, I suppose, because you're right in terms of uh, the, the, the the fullback against Falkirk looked out of his depth uh, in terms of the, the player who had been an up-team uh, Scottish teams for, uh, for, for trial periods. We spoke about, again, we spoke about on the, the preview pod, you could, you could kind of track his progression over Pine Bovril and everybody had said in the in the friendly games, this guy's no good enough. And then Cove give him a give him a year deal, but then within whatever it is, six, seven weeks, mm-hmm. he's been told he's he's allowed to leave. It's it, it just it suggests that the club is in a wee bit of disarray. You know, I was I was reading again in Pine Bovril that Jason Naismith, when he left the club, he left the club last month, but they had made 10 signings in January and they've all moved on. A lot of these players were, were, were under contract, they had their, their deals terminated or, or, or whatever. I just think, where is the forward plan? What are you trying to do here? And Paul Hartley will get most of the criticism because he's the most public-facing of the people involved. But John Sheeran, who's the director of football and Paul Hartley's father-in-law, he has to take his fair share of the blame as well because you can't just... One, it's not good financially to just sign players and then discard them. And it, like, not morally and ethically, that's not the right words I'm looking for, but just like on a personal level, that's not good to do. That's not good to treat people like that. And I just, just wonder, it feels to me like a real-life version of football manager where you sign someone and then just don't fancy them and just stick them in, like, just stick them in the reserve team. Just drop them down menu, put them in the reserve so you don't have to worry about them and you can try and get rid of them that way. But you can't. You can't do that with real people. People have got feelings and motivations. And if you have signed in good faith for a football team, and yeah, the players might want to move or whatever, but if you sign in good faith for a football team and then all of a sudden that, that, you, that something happens and there's a change in you and you, you're asked to move on, you'd be like, that's really disappointing. One player, fine. Two players, not ideal. But three players within the same week. And again, it's just it's internet talk, so it might not be true. However, the person that posted this, generally pretty good for, for what's going on at Cove Rangers. And on top of that as well, if you think of like Paul Hartley's like Anis Haribalis in management, it's going to be his time at, at Falkirk where they they stripped away or they sort of they moved away from signing established championship players, guys who you would have heard of, and I they only got them so far to be fair. But to completely move away from that and then just take punts and guys from Academy football low league English football. I mean that ultimately got the club relegated. And and, and ultimately uh certainly or that, that that transfer window they had has put the club on the direction that they're that they're in and they're trying to struggle to 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 to, to, to get promoted from that. And you would think that he he would have learned his lesson from that, but it appears not and it does appear that Cove Rangers there are worse sides in League One this season. Worse sides in League One I can't see them being in any trouble like that. But in terms of challenging towards the top end of the table, it might just be because they're a full-time team that might give them those advantages over the rest of the part-time size. But they just seem like a real shabby bunch at the moment. Uh, no, you're right. And I... It's a very, very... It's easy to compare Paul Hartley's time at Cove right now to, to what happened at 
uh, the, the kind of end of his tenure at Falkirk because there was so much, the, the turnover is, is very, very similar. I do think what is a slightly different scenario though is Cove, it almost feels like they've they've now failed twice at, at what they wanted to do. So last season, in terms of being a, I, I, whether it was they wanted to be the best part-time club in Scotland, that failed. And I think it, it probably failed because in terms of attracting players to Aberdeen. But I almost feel it's, it now feels like it's already failed again in terms of attracting full-time players to Aberdeen. Because if you're wanting players to, I, I don't know where they train, but presumably they're, they're travelling north to, to, to train every day of the week. They'll probably train at Balmoral Park in the synthetic pitch there, I'm going to imagine. You would, you would presume. But again, it feels like they have brought in a, a huge amount of players that would struggle to get a full-time deal anywhere else. So already, uh, you don't want to write it off. Uh, immediately, but it feels like this season has already failed and, and whether Cove can ever be a, a, a functioning full-time club, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. And again, you don't want to write them off, but I'd, I'd be surprised if you, you see them back in the Championship in the in the near future. Who are Cove Rangers' best players? It's the same guys that won League 2 and League 1 with them. It's still Mitch Meganson, still Blair Yule, still Fraser Fivey, still Connor Scully. Good, honest boys. And I'm, I'm wondering if they're, they're part-time. I wonder if they're a hybrid model at Cove Rangers. So I, as far as I'm aware, part-time players were almost given like a wee bit of leeway, as in you can still be part-time this season. However, next season you would have to be full-time. So presumably, if, if that's the case, then none of those players would be there next season unless mm. they decide to go full-time, which would make Cove even worse. I, it's, a, it's a strange, strange setup that, is, that has not went well for the last kind of year or so. No. No, it hasn't, and especially like going full time after dropping into the drop dropping into to League One. That doesn't doesn't make much sense to me. But you know, who knows? It's. Do you wonder if that time comes though, where I'm not sure who's in, who's even John Sheeran's boss, but just if there comes a point where you're saying this director of football stuff just not working, it's not working. These players that you're saying you're costing the club a fortune uh, by. I presume they're going to have to pay for accommodation as well for these players as well if they're, if they're coming up from, from parts of England to, to stay in Aberdeen or wherever. It's costing the club a fortune. It's not working. It hasn't worked all season. We're going to move you on. And then Paul Hartley moves on. But surely Hartley's reputation after, I mean, he, he did well to rehabilitate it from his first spell at Cove Rangers. It does come with caveats. The fact they had quite a bit of money to spend compared to the rest of their rivals in League 2 and then subsequently League 1. But given that his reputation had been quite bad after how his time at Falkirk ended, then rehabilitated after Cove Rangers to an extent, then torpedoed again with Hartlepool, and now in risk of torpedoing it again back at Cove Rangers, you do wonder if it's if it's last chance loan for him. It feels like his time at Alloa and his time at Dundee seems like it was like decades ago, given where he is now. Yeah, I mean, you would expect him... Or if you were to expect them anywhere, it would be maybe a team that's struggling in League Two, or failing that if he's not going to be in the front line as a manager, then maybe a coach. I, I don't know what his coaching abilities are, uh, but I would be. I mean, if this if this Cove gig continues to go in the direction it's going now, I would be amazed to see him as a manager again. Yeah. Now. Sean and I are going to finish this podcast. Regular listeners will be familiar with how all these podcasts conclude. It ends with Sean and I pleading, pleading with our listeners to enjoy the football, but to do so respectfully, to do so with consideration, to do so by being humble and deferential. But, Sean, it seems that some supporters 
I've not heeded her cries. <laughs> I, so, so this kind of popped up. Uh, so this is the Falkirk. So they put a statement out on their website, which I, when I saw the headline, so I'd, I'd, I'd read the headline and I'd watched the highlights of the Challenge Cup tie against Ayr. And when they went one up against Ayr, they, the goal was scored right in front of the, 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 kind of the away terrace. And a couple of fans kind of jumped on and it was a uh, to, to, to celebrate with the players. Fair enough. Fair enough. You, you kind of celebrate in front of the players, uh, celebrate in front of the fans. They want to get involved. But the headline was uh, behaviour of away fans, sorry, behaviour of fans at away games. I, I thought it might have been an unnecessary statement about people jumping in the park. But it turned out it was the fact that the recent away game at Aloha, they'd kind of essentially destroyed the toilets. Yeah. I, I must admit, not that it was a, a, a funny a funny kind of scenario. I did laugh at the fact that it looked like it was written by you. Just in terms of the sentence, please <laughs> continue to give John, Paul and the squad your full backing, but please do so in the right manner. Like that's how you end every podcast. It's a, a pleading. It's like the Bernie Sanders meme. I am once again asking you <laughs> to enjoy your football, but to do so respectfully. I think I mean, there, was, there was certainly street talk again. That is, Falkirk have, have got an ultras section there, and I think it's there's rumoured to be some of the so that people came on to refute it. People said it might have been them. It's not clear, but I mean, vandalising toilets at the wrecks. It does seem like a bunch of wee dafties that be doing something like that. I don't really get it, and I, I, I do wonder. Like, I think it's very easy to say, "Oh, the, the behaviour of football fans is is getting worse." I, I'm not entirely sure that's the case. I think that it's it's much easier to see it now because people film it and then put it online. Mm-hmm. But I'll be honest. Certainly, of the last kind of towards the end, of the last season, beginning of this season, I saw bother at Rovers Motherwell. I saw bother at Rovers Dunfermline. You hear that like still in Albion. I, mm. I know they seem to have some kind of issue with, with young fans that are causing bother. Now Falkirk have, have put something online, so maybe it's getting prevalent. And, and and again, you've already mentioned in terms of Falkirk, I've I've done a lot of work in terms of introducing a, a, a singing section. Generally, singing sections have a, a kind of young, the young people. If you're trying to attract them, then then maybe that that brings this kind of. There's a kind of negative side to that. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure, uh, but but regardless, I don't I don't understand how. So bear in mind, you're, you're obviously a, a, a Falkirk fan. You're embarrassing the club and ultimately giving them a bill, which mm, surely yeah. you don't want. So I, I don't really understand the, the the mindset. I suppose. No, I, I don't understand that either. Why you'd want to go to the toilets that Rex damaged them because that, that, as you say, the toilets were deliberately damaged. Falkirk have been billed for the repairs, so you are effectively taking money that Falkirk need to run on a daily basis. And if there's ever one club that's going to complain about money to their supporters, it's going to be Falkirk. So it's just, I, it's, it's daft. It's like the singing sections are great. You're seeing it now. Sterling Albion have moved their young team behind the goals. It looks good. Uh, Hart and Midlothian are doing the same. Uh, Falkirk have done it in the south stand. They've got the the young team there, and it's great, and it's vibrant, and it's colourful, and it just brings a lot of atmosphere. Even Spartans, like even it's a bunch of guys who are like twelve and thirteen, either kids, but it's great. It's, it's great to listen to, particularly a, a team like Spartans are playing at a ground that isn't notorious for its atmosphere. But it just gives so much colour to it. But just when you cross that line into 
into just smashing up Tottenham's vandalism. I, I don't know if I'm sounding like it's, it's something I don't understand. I don't know if it's like I'm, I'm perhaps too old for it, but it's just certainly something that, that I never did. And I think it just feels a bit to try and bring in like ultra culture's good. But see, compared to the continent, for instance, like thinking like Ajax, Feyenoord, Roma, Lazio, some Lazio fans, um, <laughs> not, 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 the one, not the ones I know personally. <laughs> But when you see that, that, how seriously they take their football, it just feels a wee bit plasticky when we try to, to do the same thing. When you, you add that element of, of um, football violence, it just feels a bit inauthentic to, to me. Oh, no, no, very much so. Uh, but the, I, I suppose it's good that they've... I, I suppose it's good that like Falker kind of called it out. Uh, I, I know Rafe had a situation at the weekend where somebody posed with a kind of Ulster Defence Association flag. And oh. it's just... I mean, it's just... It's absolutely mortifying. I can't believe Andy Harrell would do that. <laughs> but it's like when you when you when you see poor behaviour like that, like I, I find that much. So I was I, I was embarrassed for mm-hmm. kind of Falkirk fans' behalf, but I was uh, yes, I was very uh, very embarrassed by uh, the, the the pictures I saw of certain Rovers fans or uh, apparently Rovers fans at the weekend. Do you? That's what someone will say. Like these so-called fans, it's like, well, who are they for? The Dunfermline fans. <laughs> They're dressing up to have a laugh to try and to try and put the club in a bad light. I, I went on a guy's Facebook because there's a lot of Rangers uh, pictures there, so I, I'm not ah, entirely right. sure as a Rovers fan. Okay, so this so-called fan stuff it actually there's a bit of legitimacy to it, especially in this instance. It, it was it, it was wearing a kind of Union Jack. A Union Jack hat while posing with the rest of his family. It made me, it made me laugh out loud. I don't know why. It was just a, that's a strange, that's a strange picture. Really made me laugh. Do you remember, there was a video that was posted online a couple of years ago. It was filmed by an Air United supporter. It was filmed in Grangemouth where I think Falkirk and Air United had played each other. And there was a bunch of Falkirk fans that were trying to, they were trying to get over at the Air fans. There was quite a big distance between them. Trying to go with their fans, being held back by a steward. The Air fans were trying to goad them to come over. And the, one of the Falkirk fans shouted, I've got nothing to live for. And that was just, everyone just burst out laughing. Do you know the video I'm talking about? Yes, but what, what, a, what a sad thing to state. Oh, I'm sure it's the boy, oh, it, it's dark, um, the, the, the Air United fan. It's I'm Derek. Sure. It's Derek. That's it's dark. It's Derek. Who's <laughs> it? It's dark. It's Derek. Yes, I'm sure it was him that posted it or someone adjacent to him. But I just remember like him shouting, "What looking for a fight?" And then, then boasting almost is boasting the right word that he's got nothing to live for. Very, very funny stuff. I, I, you know something? I, I just don't understand it. I remember uh, so, so the Motherwell game, the, the Scottish Cup tie last season. There was there was some Rammies that I kind of saw from a distance, but when I was getting back to Kirkcaldy House Street. The plan was to go into the the kind of penny farthing, which is basically get back to the high street, turn one of the first kind of buildings you get to on the left hand side. But like you could see, as we were getting to the high street, there was like a fight that was basically venturing towards us. I was like, oh, I, I really hope this stops because I don't want it to get to the high street at the same time as me. But that wasn't the case, and then what eventually happened was the fight. We were kind of following the fight accidentally, and I just. Listen, if you want to go and like have a ruckus at the football, absolutely fine. Like punch each other, fine. But like you're going to go past like grannies and kids, and more importantly, me. Like I don't want to punch in the nose just because I'm going along Kakoda High Street. 
Hey, Furry, I actually forgot to mention this, but when I was driving to Hamden last night, I was driving through Glasgow city centre and I stopped at traffic. So I was driving very slowly through traffic, right through the city centre. One of the, It's one of the roads that crosses Socky Hall Street, where Pret is, where the cinema is. Like, uh-huh. I can't, I, I'm not sure where the street is. But two guys were fighting just across the road and one got punched and actually fell to the ground just as I was driving by and I, I, could, I was kind of driving slowly looking out the, the rear view mirror and I think the other guy saying get up stand up the boy who'd knocked him down so I think he was just looking to get him up and to, to hit him a wee, wee bit more uh, but why it's uh, I think it's a you know bully XLs post-COVID long COVID <laughs> There's a number of societal reasons, just a lot of people with pent up energy there, and it's just being expressed in, in ways that, that some people might find and consider it. Being expressed through the medium of fight. Yeah, that's a bit by, by smashing up a toilet in Aloha. They just hate cisterns. That's it. Aye, that's it. Listen, we were all locked down. Nobody liked lockdown, but please, there are better ways to, <laughs> to get rid of that pent up energy than by smashing up a toilet cistern. It's not for me, certainly. Not for me. It's, 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 it's not for me either. But Sean, I think that's an appropriate time to to finish things up. Broken toilets, I would say so. Broken toilets, yes. I mean, we've we've covered quite a lot. I mean, I say we've covered quite a lot. We've actually covered very little at the same uh-huh. time. Uh-huh. Talking about twelve-year-old uh, murderers. <laughs> talking about uh, uh, us rubbing shoulders with the stars. <laughs> Dundee United, Cove Rangers, Air United, and smashed up toilets. Listen, don't say that we are not good to you. At our most uh, interesting grab bag uh, yet, I would say. Uh, really, that this is a dictionary definition of a grab bag. We came here with a very, very loose structure. I don't even think we were able to stick to that uh, somehow. But nevertheless, <laughs> please continue to support the Terrace. Uh, you can subscribe to our Patreon account. There are podcasts that go up pretty much every day, so you really do get your money's worth for it. And uh, follow us on all social media channels. We're on Instagram, Twitter. I don't know if we're on Instagram. Have a look anyway. Uh, and and just just follow, follow, follow me personally. Actually, I'm trying to I'm trying to bulk up my followers. Maybe you can do become an influence like OZC. Maybe I might get into modelling. Maybe I might come to nightclub appearances. Probably not, but you have to aim high. Maybe. Would you go on? Remember Celebrity Love Island? Do you remember that? What was the precursor yes. to Love Island? Yeah. Yes. Um, Paul Denan being furious, <laughs> having to be having to be held back by Callum Best and Fran Cosgrove. Do you remember that? Rebecca Lewis was on it. Rebecca Lewis was on it. There were no yep, pigs this time, it. though. You started the question, would you, and then you went on to, as you about to say, would you go on? Would you go on Celebrity Love Island? I mean, I don't think I'd be invited on, frankly. I don't think I'd be invited on either. I'd, I'd, I'd go if they offered it to me. I would go on if they offered it to me. You've got to boost your profile somehow, but I don't think I'd be invited in the first place. Uh, I, I don't think it, I, I don't think I would be either. I wonder, wonder who, who, what, what, who the if it was a if it was a celebrity of Ireland for sort of like middle aged people. Well, so, I believe I believe there is a, a oh yeah, I believe there is a kind of middle aged uh, kind of Love Island type show about, that's, to, that's, about to start. That's right. It's about time because our demographic, Sean, is a sadly forgotten demographic, <laughs> the older community. <laughs> I like how you are now. Are you now including yourself in this? Because I've always been criticised or slagged off, I should say, for for being old. Are you now including yourself on this this kind of Sean, age demographic as as myself? Sean, when I, when I was making fun of you, I was making hay while the sun shines. Now, now I am very much in the the elderly boat, just like looking for a like at Christmas. I'll need to get one of those like charities to phone me up and have a chat with me to try and beat loneliness. <laughs> remember when uh, remember when Alan Pardew 
called, uh, was it Manuel <laughs> Pellegrini? Pellegrini. <laughs> and I, pardon my language, I, an old cunt. And there was only no, seven no, no. years between them. It was, sorry, it was a fucking old cunt. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's only seven years between them. To be fair, well, I say to be fair, I mean, Manuel Pellegrini looked a lot older than Alan yes, Pardew. Yes, no, that's true. I mean, that's true. I mean, uh, Pardew did, I suppose it's had a, it's done well, put it that way, aged well. Did, did you ever hear the stories about Alan Pardew when he was managing at Charlton? Apparently, like in the in the canteen for, for the staff and players, like there was a one time a coach was sitting down, tucking into his dinner, and Alan Pardew came behind his shoulder Just with took a fork. I and started eating it. And he said, you know what he said? He said, when you're the king, you can do whatever you want. This was the same guy who did the dance on the sidelines at the FA Cup final when he was the Crystal Palace manager against Mortifying. Manchester United. Mortifying. Mortifying. Because I'm sure United scored about three or four minutes later to win the match. Mortifying. At least, anyway, at least, regardless. Uh, see what you like about Manuel Pellegrini being a fucking old cunt. At least he knew how to behave with a bit of decorum. He would never have done that on the sidelines. We will, I think we'll, we'll finish it there. So yeah, continue to support the Terrace. And as always, take care and enjoy your football. The league season is back on Saturday. That's very exciting. In fact, it's back on Friday, actually. That's when the, the championship game's on. Please enjoy your football. But as always, as always, do so respectfully. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.